And good morning, everyone. I actually had this plan because I, I listened last Thursday night as Jacob gave the Devo. All of these grown folks, and there's Jacob bringing us the Devo, and he did a really good job. He did a really good job. So I came up with this plan where I was going to break my little pinky, and therefore I wouldn't be able to speak, and Jacob was going to take over for me. He thought that was humorous. <laughs> he did not take me serious. about 20 years ago, I met with this minister at Soldatna Church of Christ to ask him a profound question. What can I do as the preacher of Nikiski Church of Christ, what can I do to get brethren to attend Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday evening? And his response was just as profound as my question. Brother Tony said, Brother James, when you get that figured out, let me know, and we'll let the brotherhood know. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our services today. We are so blessed and thankful for all who are in attendance this morning, whether you're here in person or here online. Shall we pray? Our blessed Heavenly Father, you are indeed our God. Father, we trust you, we have faith in you, we believe you. And Father, we endeavor to be obedient to the things that you've given us to do. And Father, we know that in our quest to be obedient, sometimes we fall short. But Father, we're so very thankful, Father, that you allow us the opportunity to get it right. Heavenly Father, we have this opportunity today to worship you, to praise you, to honor you and glorify you. And Father, we pray that all we do, will be decent and in order and bring glory unto you. Father, thank you for allowing us this time. These things we pray and thank you for in Christ Jesus' most holy name. Amen. I have worked in some area of ministry for over 30 years. And over this time, one begins to see, or rather to recognize, patterns that are common from church to church, from congregation to congregation. Each congregation, I've found, has its own strengths as well as weaknesses. Each has its own personality. And all of them seem to share one particular trait without exception, and that is the constant struggle to maintain good attendance for worship, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night, and Anchorage Church of Christ is no exception. For this reason, I stopped by this morning to present to you the 10 most common reasons why people don't come to church. 
And we're gonna work in reverse order. Number 10. The main reason people don't attend worship is because they aren't Christians. There was a survey taken and 68% and it found that 68% of the world population has never heard about Christ Jesus. It also found out this. It found that the number of believers today is the same as it was in 1830. So this is almost 200 years later, but it also found out something else. The population since 1830 has tripled. That is why we have the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 28. It is still in force today, although some would say that it's not. Christ Jesus only meant that for the Jews in the first century. But if you actually read that text, you can see the continuum in it. You can see how it perpetuates itself through the end of time. In Matthew 28... At verse 18, the Bible reads, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm Jewish. I'm sick. You know, each week there will be sick people in the congregation. Larger congregations will experience more sickness than smaller congregations, but needless to say, there are always people sick within a congregation. It's fair to say this is normal. And but you know what? This is part of our ministry. We are to pray for, visit, and help the sick. I take you to James chapter 5 at verse 14. James chapter 5 at verse 14. The Bible there says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. A few years ago, the elders, the current elders of Anchorage Church of Christ, Ken Kilgore, uh, Gary Eller, Robert Chase, and myself, James Harris, we were blessed because a sister asked us to pray over her. She has some medical issues that she was going through, and she has some procedures coming up, and she said, I need you guys to adhere to what's written in James 5 at four, verse 14. So we met with her here in the library. We, la uh, we laid our hands on her and each of us prayed over her. We anointed her, if you will, with spiritual oil in the name of the Lord. And she was uplifted as a result of that. I'm Jewish. I'm sick. I'm changing. Brethren, life is a continual process of change. My supervisor, a former supervisor, used to say to us all the time, change is constant. Now, what are some things that bring about change in our lives? Moving, college, marriage, babies, a new job, and don't forget more babies, retirement. These changes, or rather with these changes, come interruptions in our routines and our habits. 
And one habit that suffers during a period of, of change is usually church attendance. For example, I'll start searching for a new congregation next week when the house closes, when things settle down. Coming to worship and Bible study often gets packed away with other things we promise ourselves to sort out once we get settled. But many times, this habit, this feature of our old life never gets unpacked and it remains stored away with the family album, the golf clubs, the bowling balls, the tennis rackets, you name it. I'm Jewish, I'm sick, I'm changing, I'm working. This is particular to America. People here work and commute long hours. There was a time when industry and government recognized that this was basically a Christian nation. And working on Sundays or irregular shifts was less prevalent. But now it's the norm. Today, we live in a multiracial, multi-religious, heavily indebted society where people accommodate schedules and not the other way around. The Bible says that providing for our families should be our priority. We read 1 Timothy 5 at verse 8. 1 Timothy 5 at verse 8 and the Bible says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Brethren, I say this to you. It is unfortunate that our fast-paced, extremely materialistic society requires that we sacrifice our spiritual lives in order to meet the demands of our lifestyles. I'm Jewish. I'm sick. I'm changing. I'm working. I'm new. I want to thank Brother Jerry Mammon for the, the work he was doing with our new brother Rick and the fact that Brother Rick decided to put on our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus in the waters of baptism yesterday. Did you know, or have you noticed, one of the most embarrassing moments for the minister or an elder is announcing the good news that we have a new sister or brother in Christ, someone who was recently baptized. And let's say a Sunday morning that we ask that person to stand. And we notice that there is an awkward moment while the people are, are, are craning their neck, if, necks, if you will, to get a look at this, this new Christian, but they're not at worship. And then that scene repeats itself Sunday evening, and it repeats itself Wednesday night. Young Christians may know about the gospel they may know the way and the reasons they came to Christ Jesus. And this is important. But let me tell you about something else that's equally important. 
Young Christians also need to be trained in Christian living. Young Christians also need to be taught about the rewards of regular attendance at church services. And, you know, I was a young Christian once, trust me. I was old, but I was young in terms of being a Christian. And and I remember after after Barbara and I became Christians, the, the gentleman, Wilbur Wilders, that, that taught us the gospel, he and Brother Raymer, I asked him the million-dollar question. Do I have to go every Sunday? Do I have to go every Sunday evening? Do I have to go every Wednesday? Is that written in the Bible that I got to go Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday? And Brother Wilbur was cool. He read, he, he, we went back and revisited what Brother Jacob read to us this morning. But then he said something else. He said, James, did you not agree to work under the oversight of the elders? Well, yes, I did. He said, well, the elders who responsible for the oversight of this congregation has decided we need to be together Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday night. End of conversation. But also on top of that, Brother Wilbert and Brother Raymer were there too as examples to me Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday night. That's the key right there. It's one thing to tell somebody they need to do something, and it's another thing you go do something else. Don't be telling me I need to be there three times if I'm only seeing you once. That's a trick in that. You see, coming to service each, services each Sunday morning and Sunday evening, making time for Bible study and devotional each Wednesday is an acquired habit. It is developed by the encouragement and example of other Christians. Being faithful in attendance isn't hardwired in us at baptism. We just don't know. It comes again with patient repetition under all kinds of circumstances. I'm Jewish. I'm sick. I'm changing. I'm working. I'm new. I'm busy. In a moment, we're going to be going to Mark chapter 4, verse 18. Mark chapter 4, verse 18. In a moment. There is a difference between I'm working and I'm busy. One is based on need. That's I'm working. The other, I'm busy, is based on want. The busy person, don't get me wrong, is not a bad person. I'm not saying that. The busy person is this, though. Busy. Jesus describes this person in his parable of the sower and the seed. At Mark chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. The Bible there reads, And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, and the worries of the world, and deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. I ask you this question. Do you recognize the person that he's talking about? The very busy person who is concerned with problems that are strictly rooted in the world. The very busy person who's busy getting ahead in the world. The very busy person who is securing and defending his place in this world. 
I say this again. This person is not evil. Okay? This person is not evil. This person is not a bad person. But he does have a priority problem. He or she allows what is urgent, what is here and now, to take precedence over what is truly important. Perhaps it's unseen. Nevertheless, it is important. Remember the definition of faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's very important. We can't see it physically. But if we have the faith that we have, we should be able to see it spiritually. Busy people have forgotten. Or you may say busy people don't realize or busy people don't believe that most basic principle of Christian living. In a minute, in a moment, we're going to uh, Matthew 6 and verse 33. If we put kingdom matters like faithful attendance, for example, if we put things like this first, God will find a way to provide for us all the things we are so busy trying to provide for ourselves. And in so doing, we're putting our souls at risk. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, the Bible reads, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. I'm Jewish. I'm sick. I'm changing, I'm working, I'm new, I'm busy, I'm hurt. Many people, brethren, many people stop coming to worship because they have been hurt in some way. Hurt by another member's comments or attitude, offended by a perceived lack of attention by the elders and or the ministers. Angered by some things not being done in a way that, in a way that they disagreed with. Offended by a comment or teaching made by the preacher, a teacher. But brethren, did you know this? That most times the elders and preachers are unaware that the person is offended. And I know for a fact, Elder and preacher, I know for a fact, we do not sit around trying to figure out ways to offend people and drive them away. But I also know this, it does happen. Even though the offense may only be perceived and unintended, people do get their feelings hurt in church. And when this happens... It's unfortunate for two reasons. Number one, leaving the church because you've been offended will not justify you before God on the day of judgment. Jesus specifically warned his disciples that among other things, they, we, we should be subjected to, or rather would be subjected to, persecution, false teaching, sufferings of all kinds, including physical, emotional, and spiritual attack. And he says 
that the one who endures until the end will be saved. I take you, you can read that in Mark 13, verses 9 through 23. Mark 13, verses 9 through 23. Regardless of the offense, brethren, real or imagined, Leaving the church is not the answer, nor is it something God excuses. Because, you see, it won't solve our problem. Leaving the church has never solved our problems. Leaving the church because of someone, leaving because we've suffered a tragedy or a setback of some kind, is not going to help us recover. This won't make us better. Ignoring God separating ourselves from our brothers and sisters will not make us healthier spiritually. It will only make us more vulnerable to sin. Jesus tells us what to do when someone offends us at Matthew chapter 18 at verse 15. What does he say? Go to the person and work it out. You know, I saw a sign once at a car wash a long time ago. I think I've been a Christian maybe two years, three years. And it was a simple sign. It said, if you like our service, tell a friend. If you dislike our service, tell us. And brethren, that's what Christ Jesus is getting across to us here in Matthew 18 at verse 15. You mad at me, you mad at your preacher, you mad at your elder, and you got to telling everybody else, but you're not saying anything about the el- anything to the elder or the preacher. If we're happy with what's going on here, yeah, we should be telling the people out there to help them come to Christ Jesus. But if we're not, we should be telling the people here. But in, what we tend to do sometimes is do it the other way around. We're not happy here, so we're telling everybody out there. And of course, they're agreeing with us because they're not here. <laughs> You know, so so let's keep that in mind. Let's keep that in mind. You know, and when people have left because they've been hurt and the elders found out about it and we went and talked to the people, at that point, they didn't want to talk to us anymore. And we asked them, if this has been a problem this long, why is it you didn't come to us and bring it to our attention? Their answer was this, you're busy. Brethren, do we not understand the meaning of shepherd? Do we not understand the meaning of shepherding? Granted, we have three elders here, but I'm telling you this right here. Even if we had 103 elders here, if we are walking around saying we are not busy, then something is wrong. Because every congregation has its issues that elders need to be addressing. So be thankful that your elders are busy. And you know what? Keep us busy because we need to work those problems out. James tells us what to do when we are suffering or sad. At James 5 and verse 13, what does he say? Ask the church for help and prayer. This is why we offer invitation or encouragement at the end of our services. In order to take care of these things among ourselves. And we shouldn't try to punish God or the church. And more specifically, we shouldn't try to punish our sisters and brothers in Christ Jesus for the offenses committed against us. Better that we turn the other cheek than we turn away from God. Than we turn away from the one who died to save us and the body 
that he loves. I'm Jewish. I'm sick. I'm changing. I'm working. I'm new. I'm busy. I'm hurt. I'm lazy. I met with an individual a long time ago. He and I had worshipped at another congregation, and he and I was now worshipping at the same congregation in a different location. And I asked him, why did he leave? And he was so honest, I can appreciate it. He said, James, that was a small congregation. They didn't have a lot of men there. And they were going to need me to step up to the plate and help and work. And he said, I just didn't want to do that. So I found a large congregation that had a lot of men already doing things, and they didn't need me. So you see what I'm saying is this right here. I have met individuals who've actually admitted this was the cause, laziness was the cause of many of their problems and failures. But you know what? I can appreciate the honesty. I can appreciate the honesty. And let's face it, going to church on a regular basis, man, that requires physical and mental effort. Just think about all the things that are involved here. There's, there's preparation and travel. Now you multiply that if you got some young children or you're bringing an elderly person who needs your help. If you live a distance away. And brother, I'm going to be honest with you. It's sometimes difficult to sit there and stay focused. Even for me today, I have to work at it. It is not easy. By definition, the definition of a lazy person, according to the dictionary, is this right here. One who dislikes physical or mental effort. Proverbs 26 and verse 15. Proverbs 26 and verse 15. Solomon, in the book of Proverbs, says it this way. 26.15 The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is weary to bring it up to his mouth again. In other words, the lazy man won't even feed himself did you know that the Lord, our God, provides nourishment for the only part of the human body that can live forever? The human soul. And yet, some people are too lazy to make the physical and mental effort to come to the dinner table each week. I'm Jewish. I'm sick. I'm changing, I'm working, I'm new, I'm busy, I'm hurt, I'm lazy, I'm worldly. Brethren, in a moment we're going to be going to 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 10, 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 10. But brethren... One of the saddest accounts in the Bible is that of Demas. 
he was an early disciple in the church. Listen at the testimony of him. We find it in Colossians 4, verse 14. We find it in Philemon 24, where the apostle Paul counts Demas among his missionary team of helpers and faithful disciples of Christ. But then something happened. Something changed because in Paul's last letter from Rome before he died, he mentions Demas again, but this time in different terms. We look here at 2 Timothy chapter 4 at verse 10. Look at what it says. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Some Christians don't attend regularly because they can't decide who they love more from week to week. Is it Christ Jesus or is it the world? They love the smell of success more than they love the smell of sacrifice. They love the pleasures, activities, and allurements of the world more than the promise of the next. We go into John 3 at verse 19. John 3 at verse 19. Jesus spoke. He spoke there of the terrible pull of the world and his power to immobilize us spiritually when he said, and this is the judgment. That the light is coming to the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. When we are in, involved in sin of some kind, even that thing we think is a secret habit. But remember, God sees all, knows all, so it's not secret at all. When we're involved in a worldly lifestyle or have no desire or intention to let it go. We lose interest in going to the place and being with the people who might expose and help us deal with our sins. Worldliness is it's such an insidious vice because it eats away at our, our spiritual life quietly and, 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 and without pain until we are cold and dead in Christ Jesus. And the sad part about it is we don't even realize it. Until it's too late. Some of us just keeping, just keep rather making one concession to the world after another until we are no longer part of the kingdom and we're completely owned by the world. Satan's number one attack in this process is to diminish a Christian's exposure to God's word and his people. And you know what? He finds any number of seemingly innocent excuses to make that happen. Eventually, we find ourselves lack, liking the night better than the light. I'm Jewish. I'm sick, I'm changing, I'm working, I'm new, I'm busy, I'm hurt, I'm lazy, I'm worldly. And the number one reason is your reason. Whatever it is, you fill in the blank. 
it could it could be any of those things that were previously mentioned or not mentioned yet. And it is the number one reason if it keeps you from attending all of the services of this or your current congregation on a regular basis. Perhaps you think you don't have to be here. Wrong. Maybe you're not convinced that the Lord, not just the preacher and the elders want you here. Wrong. It could be that you don't get anything out of attendance. Wrong. But keep this in mind when you think about that one. What would have happened if Christ Jesus, as he was suffering and hanging on that cross, he said, Father, wait, what am I getting out of this? Because he didn't go there for what he could get out of that. He went there for what we would get out of it. So our mindset should be when we get up and God bless us with life that day where we can come to morning service and evening service and Wednesday night, our mindset should be what can I do for the, those individuals, my sisters and brothers at that congregation? Because if we look any other way, it's all about me. What am I getting out of it? What am I putting into it? What am I putting into it? The purpose of today's lesson is twofold. Number one, if you don't attend all services regularly, I want you to at least acknowledge to yourself, not everyone, not anyone else, just to yourself, the reason why. Number two, I want you to examine the reason or reasons to see if it is truly a valid excuse for you to not be here every service, Sunday morning, Wednesday evening, and Sunday night. If it's valid, then I pray that God strengthens and, and keeps you faithful since you are missing a very important part of your spiritual life. If it isn't valid, I hope you repent and make some changes in your life some changes in your attitudes, some changes in your habits, so that regular church attendance will become part of your natural lifestyle and an important priority for you personally. I realize, I realize, and I'm mostly preaching to the choir this morning, and that by your presence here today, you are fulfilling your responsibility to our Lord in worship. For those who may be here today but usually uh, don't attend regularly, I say to you, just to you, please do not be hurt. Please do not be hurt and use this as an excuse not to return. The message, or medicine if you will, was given to spur you on to greater faithfulness and service, which will only benefit you in the end. If this is your weak area, today's lesson is an attempt to help you become strong. The message is yours
And I pray that you give it a lot of thought. I pray that you give it a lot of thought because we need each other. We need each other. And you will find you have a way of encouraging someone in the weirdest way without you even putting forth a lot of effort to do it just by your presence. I don't know what the needs are within the congregation because that's why we have this opportunity. There may be things coming about that I don't know about and the elders don't know about. So what we're asking you to do is if you have any needs, if you have any needs, would you please make them known by coming forth as we stand and sing.